Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode, Jack and Earl seek asylum. It's Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 10. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. Hello. I am Earl Grey. My name is Jack Dorino. And this is Let's Talk About Treks. Today we'll be reviewing Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, Episode 10, Asylum. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. It's Asylum. The original release date was the 27th of October, 2022. It is the 10th episode of all Star Trek Prodigy. So they say. Yep. I seem to recall seeing 10 before this, but <laughs> I'm not going to argue with Star Trek Prodigy. Aaron Waltke. This is the 864th of all of Star Trek. I can get with that. There are two writers this week, actually. Kevin and Dan Hageman. I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin Hageman and Dan Hageman. Okay. The director is Steve In Chung Ong and Chung Shin. We, I remember we had a conversation about this before, and we we were not diligent enough to look up whether this was two in two uh, distinct people or not. We've but had all this time. <laughs> Neither one of us thought to check. The first person has, they, they spelled it. The name in the credits is four different names, and the second name person has two different names, both starting with S. Maybe it's one person with six names. <laughs> well, there definitely was an and in there, so. Okay. <laughs> that, that clenches it. Asylum takes place in 2384. It does indeed. On Stardate 61209.5. In this episode, at the Federation's farthest comm relay station, the Protostar seeks asylum. But the Diviner's plan reveals its ugly head. Is that? Sure. All right. So what do you think of this episode? I, you know, it, it it's going to take me a while to get back into this one. I I got frustrated because there it felt like almost nothing happened in this. Oh, really? Nothing plot story-wise significant happened. Okay. Almost nothing. I mean, shall I list some things for you? Well, I mean, <laughs> certainly beat, there were some plot beats that happened, but we were left with more questions and almost none answered. What? Okay. <laughs> Shall I list some answered questions for you? There's, well, there's certainly, sure, go ahead. If you... I mean, you're welcome to your opinion, of course, but we answered the question of what is Murph? Yeah. We answered the question of what happened to the Diviner? We answered the question of are we in the same time as, because we remember there was a problem for the first few episodes of like, what is the time? Because they did that weird Stardate thing that one episode. Mm -hmm. We did ask one strange question. We, we 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 asked a, a couple odd questions that I wasn't ready to ask. Not to say that your opinion isn't valid. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I enjoyed this episode a lot. I thought that a lot happened, and I thought we got a lot of information. I thought it was pretty exciting to be jam-packed into 24 minutes. Okay. I think maybe I'm ready to be done with the Diviner. I mean, he's left his legacy, and now we've got to worry about how they're going to get the ship back to the Federation without destroying the Federation. Oh, so I think that that's not the story that we're telling here. Okay. Might be what I think that maybe our our goals are different. So for me, the goal, the whole thing with the diviner isn't over, can't be over. The whole point is to redeem the diviner. 
because he was actually sent back from the future to do something yeah. positive for his people. Now, the fact that during the episode we learned that, you know what? Before we get to too much detail, let's say we walk through the episode. Sure, let's. When we start off, we are underwater. We're like in an underwater Pandora. Mm-hmm, yep. This is where we meet the uh, the Pandora mermaids, mermen. More people. Yeah, and we're there after this uh, this whale that's covered in polyps. I'm I'm gonna call it a polyp whale. Okay. I mean, I should probably call it an aquathon. Yeah, that's that's what uh, Gwen informs us that it is. There's an interesting ship that they're in. Did it seem familiar to you? N- no, but given the fact that the Protostar has a uh, vehicle replicator, uh-huh. it, it didn't seem implausible for it to be there. This ship reminded me of Spock's ship from the Kelvin universe, from the first Kelvin universe movie. Oh, okay. Did you know what I'm talking about? I yeah, I know the ship you're talking about. I can't picture it right now, but I, I, I think I can see the similarities. Yeah, well, funny thing, that ship is that ship that Spock had, it's called the Jellyfish. Oh, okay. Huh. So we last saw the USS Protostar back eight months ago, mm-hmm. r- roughly the 3rd of February, 2022, in our timeline. We keep our original no-teaser opening. Uh, what do you mean by there's a no-teaser opening? That's what the whole whale thing is. We don't have a bit of the episode of story before we go to the credits. Oh, was that after the credits? Yeah, that was after the credits. Oh, okay. (laughs) We haven't added a uh, Delta flyby yet either. I wonder if they're going to add that to season two or if they're just going to... I was very curious about that myself because I was really hoping to see what ship they were going to show. Like, were they going to show us the Protostar or they were going to show us the Dauntless? I mean, I guess I assumed it would have been the Protostar because that's what's the featured ship of the credit sequence. Yeah, so right now it is the featured ship. According to the story in the way we have it though, it seems like the Protostar is sort of an unviable starship for Starfleet. Mm. Uh, I've, I was wondering, you know, as we went through the episode, I was wondering if maybe the Protostar's crew was going to join up with the Dauntless crew. Like, we've only met four Dauntless crew members. Uh-huh. And I wonder if the Dauntless is going to eventually become the training platform for the Prodigy crew mm. because it's named again like the the show is named Prodigy it's not named Protostar yeah so I wonder if maybe like maybe we'll give the Protostar back to Chakotay oh okay once we figure out what's going on with the Diviner and yeah. Chakotay yeah. and all that okay no, or maybe we just we put that thing in mothballs <laughs> or send it out to the Delta Quadrant you know where it's far away <laughs> okay so they're in the submarine going after the, the polyp whale. The aquathon. And Gwen takes a wrong turn because she st- suddenly starts having a flashback to something okay. her father said. Yeah. Yeah, I think he said something like... And at this time, uh, Gwen doesn't know any meaning behind that. She has no context to the flashback. She comes back from the flashback and... Uh, Al stops her and he's like, wait, we can't go that way. Yeah, yeah. Which prompts her memory to go all the way back to the thing that she had sort of at the end of the mid-season where it was like, we can't go, we can't go, when we saw her just kind of like stuck in her head and all she was holding on to was the fact that they can't go to Starfleet because of the whole Protostar's a weapon thing. Oh, is that what caused the flashback? Yeah, so it was the it was his phraseology where he says, we can't go that way which sparks her along the lines of when she was all stuck with, we can't go, we can't go. Um, And then it's in this moment when they're like, they're having a a moment of consternation about that, that they go ahead and get eaten by the Aquathon. 
Yeah. Yep. So now we've got a little bit of an incident with uh, uh, Jonah. We do. <laughs> we do. So they so they call to zero. Yeah. Fortunately, the whale didn't. She didn't swallow right away, and uh, they make a call to zero and. Yeah. And then Scotty's like, "There, Captain, there be whales here." <laughs> uh, so so we're here on the protostar i've got to tell you i expected the protostar to be about the same size as that whale i didn't think that whale could fit inside the protostar you know i think that the internal structure of the the bay and the bottom of the ship is as big or small as they need it to be for plot convenience <laughs> so you're saying the protostar might be a tardis you know where it's bigger on the inside yeah i know what you're talking okay. about okay so the whole crew is here, and uh, and Janeway appears. She mentions that they almost broke the Prime Directive, and I'm not sure how that is. Well, the Mer people saw the whale disappear. Oh, okay. And the one that surfaced almost saw the Protostar fly away. Oh. We don't even know. Maybe they did. Oh, okay. That's what she was getting at. That they almost saw the starship. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they could have even maybe even seen the shadow of it hovering over the whale as they beamed up the whale. Huh. I don't know why they had to get so close to beam up the whale. Zero's discussing, you know, the visions that Gwen has been having with Gwen. And when she explains, you mm -hmm. know, there's something about it as a weapon, then Zero gets, feels all guilty. You know, he, Zero makes it about Zero. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. Gwen is just completely not sure what the phrase it's a weapon could be mean. Right. Zero has proven that they more or less are not willing to even behave that way that they're content what? living in their own little sphere i see what you did there i disagree though that zero has shown that zero is not gonna use zero as a weapon because that is clearly what zero did zero turned themselves into a weapon against my diviner to save everybody wouldn't you say? Yes, they did. And like a sloppy weapon. <laughs> you would think that Zero would have been like, hey, everybody turn around real quick, right? Like that little piece, that little one little piece could have, do you think maybe Zero, do you think maybe Zero's like a baby Medusin? Like a very young Medusin, so doesn't have the experience to have, you know, told everybody, hey, turn around real quick so that I don't like accidentally kill you. At the same time, they might have been trying to avoid also informing the Diviner what they were planning. Oh, so I do remember, so Zero angrily said, you used me as a weapon to hurt others. Mm-hmm. So my Diviner would know what Zero's capabilities are. Yeah. Now, if I was a Diviner, never would I ever, like, let Zero go. And never would I stand there face to face with Zero, knowing that all Zero has to do is open a port, and <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It may also kind of brings up the question: Does Zero have? Do, do they only make you go insane, or do they have the capability of actually ending your life in some way? The difference being, you mean like ceasing your biological functions? Yeah, ceasing your biological function. Yeah, I, I don't... Whether that's an atomization or just 
Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like an energy or particle weapon. I think that the way that it would cease your biological functions would be like stop your brain. I think that it only has like yeah. mental psychological effects. It causes madness. Okay. The impression I got was they were only able to cause somebody to go insane, which obviously because of zero, Gwen is starting her has been starting down her path to recovery. Agreed. I think Gwen got took the full or most or Gwen, Gwen saw zero only in the communicator badge. That's it. Oh, you're right. The reflection. So yeah. it was filtered out a little. And it was bit. a tiny little bit. Okay. It's just that zero is so powerful. And yeah. like this is this is the thing about like adolescence sometimes is that we don't we don't like I'm an adolescent I'm an adolescent um, <laughs> where where they don't they aren't aware of their power and their strength uh -huh. so sometimes they'll react in anger and go too yeah. far and then go too far before they realize that they've gone too far or go too far before they realize how far they've gone uh huh and like can have consequences that they can't take back yeah. So I'm going back to the idea of I think maybe Zero is also an adolescent, just like all of them. Oh, okay. There's some at there's some characters I think are younger than an adolescent. I agree. I, I also agree with you about Rock Talk. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rock Talk actually does the scanning of the uh, of the Aquathon and discovers that the Aquathon have babies. God, can I tell you? I, I let me let me back up just a second. I want to talk really briefly about Rock Talk. Well, not about Rock okay. Talk. Um, I actually want to talk very quickly about the voice actor for Rock Talk. Okay. The voice actor for Rock Talk is the daughter of the voice actor for Les Buen Amigo. No way. Yeah. So there's there's an interesting thing that's happening these days in Star Trek. Now, I think it happened a little bit in, you know, the uh, our age, our golden age of Star Trek. Um, yeah. You know, next in DS9 Voyager. But it seems like a little more... Uh, it seems a little more visible um there's another thing so so captain ransom is play our captain he was just, commander ransom is played by jerry o'connell from sliders right and he's married do you know who he's married to no he's married to rebecca, rebecca romaine who plays una on strange new worlds so those two first officers are married to one another oh. <laughs> and then the admiral on lower decks is the father of rock talk Huh. Yeah. And 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 let's let's also not forget that we have uh, what are their names like Dan and Greg Hageman. Uh, yeah, the writers or yeah. no, the, the writers. Yeah, there's a little uh, there's a little bit of nepotism happening in Star Trek these days. I think. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of familial connections here. Oh, I mean, now granted, um, Terry Farrell, the actress who played who played Jetsia Dax. Yeah. Is the daughter-in-law of Leonard Nimoy. Okay. There's there is that piece. So but I mean that happened after she started on Deep Space Nine, because that's how she met yeah. Adam. Yeah. So it's just funny that we we have we have all these connections all over the place. And I wonder like, are we I mean, I'm sure they're the best talent for the job. Mm-hmm. They appear to me to be the best talent for the job. Yeah. It just it's a little it's a little bit I'm a little concerned about it. Well It feels it feels a little on Starfleet. Just well no, it feels kinda of Starfleet because we have Mariner and <laughs> Mariner and Carol. So I mean so it sounds like you've got a lot of people following along in their 
parents or other relative shoes. I mean, that seems to be a thing that uh, people here in this country strive for. Doctors grow, growing up to raise doctors. Lawyers doing the same thing. Sure. What well, I, no, I, mean, it's, I have no problem with that. Yeah. My concern is that too much of that leads to nobody else being able to get in. Uh, That's oh, what I'm getting at. I see. Like, yeah. Star Trek royalty is one thing, but it shouldn't be actual royalty. Mm. Like, you gotta you gotta leave space for other people. Otherwise, yeah. you're gonna end up with inbreds. <laughs> well, not only that. <laughs> you know, we're gonna but... have like a British royalty thing happening here, yeah. where like you have the commoners who you know oh. are are us, and then you have the people who are on Star Trek. Oh. Who are like all related to each other? Like it's just a little. Uh, it it makes me a little wary. I, I yeah. now granted there could be absolutely nothing wrong with it. I'm not necessarily saying there's something wrong with it. I'm just yeah. noticing it. I'm just it just especially when I saw uh, Riley's name, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. That well, uh, Denise Crosby was already Hollywood royalty too. Yes, but she wasn't Star Trek royalty. Oh, okay. That's what I'm getting at. Like all of this, okay. like if you don't leave any space in Star Trek for other people except people who have been on Star Trek or who are already like one degree of separation from Star Trek, uh huh. That's a problem. It feels like a problem to me. Okay, I I get what you're going at. Right, like I don't know. It just seems it just seems interesting. Like it's it's an interesting thing to note for me. I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that for now. For now, it's just for now it's interesting. Check back with me in twenty years. <laughs> when you when when you've auditioned three times and you still haven't gotten the oh, right, exactly. And I'm all butt hurt. And then you have like Kieran Reese and Julian Bashir's kid, you know, joining the shows or directing the shows, or you have yeah. like the the grand the grandson of Leonard Nimoy. I mean, there is. I mean, Ethan Peck is Gregory Peck's grandson. I mean, there is so there. Yeah, the Hollywood royalty is a thing for Star Trek. Certainly, mm -hmm. because Denise Crosby is being Grand Crosby's granddaughter. Sure. Oh, oh, it's a Hollywood thing. Oh, okay. I mean, I think. Um, oh, it's oh, that's super interesting. I think George Clooney is related to somebody too. I would, I would like to see if. Um, I would like to see if Discovery. I think I'd like to go back at some point and see if Discovery's like that because um, Discovery is filmed in Toronto. Okay. So I wonder if that distance allows us a larger pool of people to pick from. Maybe. And if if maybe there's less of the, you know, recycling of the bloodlines. Yeah. <laughs> this whole conversation that I'm having right now is probably super offensive to somebody, and I apologize if it is. It just it's just something that struck me as curious. Well, speaking of legacy actors, one of the things I haven't seen in Star Trek yet is legacy characters. The closest swing we get is Crusher and Crusher. But we don't have a... Well, and I guess hmm. Mariner is a, technically a legacy character, but sure. they're, again, they're serving together. Well, I mean, and there was Nog and Jake. Well, Nog... Who was Nog... Nog was Nog was Quark's nephew. Yeah. And then he became but... Captain Nog. And then there's the USS Nog. <laughs> and then there's there's the there's the Eisenberg class starship. Like, but I mean that's because of Aaron Eisenberg. Eisenberg uncertainty principle. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So Rock Talk, who is the science officer? Let's not forget. Yep. Scans and finds out that the 
uh, Aquathon has babies. Yes. And then they beam her home to safety. Yep. And I think that brings us to the teaser. That That's, yeah, that's the, our first commercial. Yeah, let's do it. Be right back. Alright. Hi, my name is Isaac, and I'm from Australia, and if you're hearing me, that means you also like Star Trek, which makes you a friend in my book. So if you like Let's Talk About Treks, and would like to hear more podcasts, why not give us a try? Search for... Unplanned Trek. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, welcome back to you. Thank you for sticking with us. I mean, it has been weeks and weeks and weeks since uh, Star Trek Prodigy was around. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's been 38 weeks. Do you suppose it's possible that when Dal says in his log that it's been weeks Yeah. in his log that it's been exactly 38 weeks? I think so. I think that's the idea. I, I do think oh that's the goodness. idea. Yeah, because I, I think guess that they he might not have a concept of months either. So, well, how long? But the computer does. Yeah. Uh, maybe if we paid attention to Star Date, we would as well. <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that they've left space for things like comic books and video games and novels. Uh, oh. So now we have a space where they can have done adventures and gelled together because they kind of just got the uniforms, uh-huh. right? And they're already so comfortable in them. So it's like, well where did you know like i think that maybe they've sort of gelled as a crew yeah in that beta material oh okay cool you know i noticed there was no technology lesson in this uh episode i saw that i i went through that too i didn't really see much well there's there's one thing so well i'll i'll tell you about it in a second okay so dal gives us this quick recap of of what happened in the first part of the season and yeah. uh but he, he also does imply this imply that they stole the ship yeah like this was... is not the second this is not the first or second time that someone said that yeah i mean they they didn't steal the ship the ship was already where they were at and they stumbled upon it yeah i i, I feel the same way i don't think I mean, they stole they, the ship if you maybe from their perspective since they had to steal it from where it was at they didn't really they don't i don't think they've made the connections yet the diviner is nothing to do with starfleet oh i'm sure that they've made that connection oh okay yeah because the diviner was not trying to take the ship to starfleet the diviner didn't mention anything about starfleet diviner is clearly not interested in starfleet yeah um, well they really they stole it from the diviner or yeah. you could see that they salvaged it because it they, was lost yeah, they, they liberated it from the diviner so that they could return it to its rightful owners. Yeah. They've just been taking their time and taking the joyride while they're at it. Well, that and they've been kind of, they were far away, right? So they, their plan was to head towards Starfleet. Now, if they had engaged the proto-drive, proto proto-star yeah. drive, then maybe they would have gotten there faster, but I guess maybe they didn't. Yeah. And they've just kind of like ambled their way towards it because they've just come to the closest relay station Mm-hmm. For the Federation, what I didn't know about the relay stations is that they're manned. I thought that was weird. I mean, even the the guy says it's a fully automated station. So why is he there? Especially since he he's a medical officer or a science officer. I mean, I, maybe an engineer would would man a. I think it would be an operations officer. We met Aquiel Unari before. She was the one that Jordy met aboard a communications relay station uh, that oh. actually ended up being a shapeshifter. 
yeah that's right she said and she was she was an operations is... officer i don't i don't understand what this denovulin guy is doing here unless denovulins are only allowed to be medical officers <laughs> well she it, i seem to recall in that episode there was a person with a blue there was oh. more than one person on that station but that was like a i don't quite remember what that station was oh okay it was a remote kind of station where there was only one or two people on the whole station. She was actually a communications officer. She mm -hmm. was uh, stationed at Relay Station 47. But mm -hmm. I will note that this communications officer, Aquiel Unari, wore a blue uniform. Yeah. So communications, I, I'm sure that communications is supposed to be under either operations or command because... Uh, Uhura wore red. Yeah. Right. And then we did a whole color swap, right? So uh, Bryce, well, who knows? It's Discovery uniforms. Communications. Who's a communications officer since then? Neelix. <laughs> also can't count. Uh, well, the Enterprise D didn't really have a communications officer. Who received who received hails when they came in? Uh, Worf did. Worf and, and Yar. Right. Yeah. So that would be, they should it should be Yala shirt. That that must be where that must be why that's in my head, like just because naturally, yeah, my brain would default to well, of course you should be yellow shirted if you're going to be a communications officer. Although I could maybe, with a weird twist, see how communications could be put under a science. I mean, technically anything could be under a science. Mm. Oh, but again, okay, so we're going back to that thing where you know it's 400 years in the future. Maybe we don't understand the way things work 400 years in the future. <laughs> you know, they totally missed an opportunity for a good joke. Oh yeah, how's that? Well, when Rock Talk says, "Hey guys, what you doing in there?" They're in the sub and they're upside down, and they're hanging by the the, the seat belts. Ah, okay. And I totally thought it would have been perfect for Dal to say, "Oh, you know, just hanging around." Huh. That would be a perfect Dal line. It, it would be it would be low hanging fruit. <laughs> they Definitely were like, low -hanging fruit. "We're not Definitely doing that." Okay. So Janeway's getting everybody prepped to go on this uh, to go on this comm relay station and introduce themselves to actual Starfleet people, and you know she puts this comm badge on and sort of straightens it. Yeah. And, Why did you put it and, on him twice? Thank you. <laughs> I I don't know. I didn't quite understand that either. It couldn't possibly be like a a bad like an editing error because it's animation it's expensive oh because it's expensive animation <laughs> and they had like more than one team and they did it twice and they were like uh no way we're not paying no way well, we've already paid for it so uh she's just gonna have to put it on twice she definitely straightened his comebacks <laughs> twice and then omg he hugs her <laughs> yeah he was so excited and he's so thrilled to be finally into starfleet mm -hmm. or at the at, you know, not in it but so we extend the extend the walkway. Now, in Strange New Worlds time, this would have been a physical, actual walkway that extended it out by itself, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. But what what is with with the mooring bridge at all? I mean, wouldn't they normally have typically entered some sort of holding pattern and hailed them and said, "Hey, we're, we would like to come aboard. Permission to come aboard," and then beamed over? This is something that. This is something that has been happening recently in Star Trek, mm -hmm. because low. If you remember, recently Lower Decks went to a planet and they didn't hail them; they uh -huh. just went there first. 
Like they, they could have, when we were in discovery, right? When Captain Pike had the discovery, he used the telescopes on the, well, let me go back. Let me go back even further. <laughs> At the very first episode of Star Trek Discovery, Captain mm -hmm. Georgiou used the telescope to look out, out the, the window. window. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Captain Pike used the telescopes on the uh, the hull of the Enterprise to look all the way down to Terralisium to see that church. Mm -hmm. So, like, lower decks beamed down before, like, finding out the situation. And now Prodigy extends a gangplank for some reason. <laughs> is that what it was called? Okay. Well, I, right I don't think it's a gangplank. I think gangplank is the thing that they dematerialized under Worf in Generations. Oh, oh. Yeah, I think okay. it's a gangplank. Uh, it's uh, it's a uh, it's some sort of walkway. Yeah. It's a uh, it's um it's, not, mean, it's I, a it's an umbilical. Okay. Yeah. I was going with mooring, but an umbilical definitely makes more sense. There's a there's a thing that I noticed that I was wondering about, you know, when we're when we go come across this walkway, and it is that indeed both of Jenk and Jenk and Pog's hands have three fingers. Oh, even his biological hand. Yeah. Huh. I don't think I've ever noticed that. I was specifically looking for it because I know we had a conversation with it about it last okay. episode of Prodigy. Well, pigs have are, have a split hoof. They have two toe hooves. Oh, and then he has an opposable thumb on top of that. Yeah, and there is kind of a nub. There's like a second hardness in the thumb general area. Okay. On a pig's foot. What about in a pig's eye? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know this. It's just goo. Ew. <laughs> so if so, Pogs wants to put his best foot forward. You know, I think that you're right about that oh. hanging around joke. Because if they're going to make the best foot forward joke, they yeah. definitely should have made the hanging out joke. I, I get, I get, I track with what you're saying now. Yeah, if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna make the corniest jokes you can, you definitely <laughs> missed the hanging out joke. Well, one of the things we, we forget it, as adults and enjoying all of Star Trek just for Star Trek's sake, is that this is technically a Nickelodeon show. This is aimed at children that enjoy low hanging fruit. They're just yeah. developing their sense of humor. So fair enough. <laughs> I think you just talked down to all of them, but okay. Oh, I think it's true. No, I didn't. I totally didn't mean to. Okay. Uh, when we get into the station, we I, I'm pleased to see all the regular like Federation logos and signage, yeah. which kind of places us in yes, the Stardate is right. Computer's not you know off by some star dates. This <laughs> is our Federation logo that we're familiar yeah. with. Yeah. Um, the L cars looks very similar, you, but it's also deserted. Yeah, I mean, why is it de decorated it is as if they were expecting somebody, but. Do they just leave it decorated for the main entrance? Where yeah. Okay. Yeah, they just think. So, like, so this guy, okay, so this guy, you remember Sahil from uh, season um, three of Star Trek Discovery, who we see at the beginning of the season, and then we see him at the end of the season? He's just, like, hanging out on a relay station by himself. And oh, he asks right. Burnham, hey, can you okay. hang this flag for me? So, like, were he a commissioned officer, he'd be hanging that up every morning and taking it. Like, it's what, that's what he does now. He hangs it up every morning and he takes it yeah. down. So this is what this guy does. He hangs it up every morning and then he takes it down at the end of the day. So, yeah, it hangs all day. He puts it in the fresher midday. Or when he goes to bed. When he goes to bed, he takes it down. He puts it in the fresher. He gets up in the morning, puts up the flag again. But he doesn't have time to do his hair. His hair is done. What are you talking about? Have you met Flox? He, he has nice hair. They both have the same hair. It's not all poofy and everywhere. 
Okay. This character is rather interesting. He's, as you established earlier, he's a Denobulan. He's the first on-screen appearance of a, a Denobulan in Starfleet, too. It is. Yes. Thank you. His name is Barnus Frex. And if you recall, Dr. Flox was a member of the Starfleet Medical Exchange Program, so he never was in actual Starfleet. What's up with the uh, two sets of pip, two, two ranks? Yeah, it's interesting that he would wear a regular Starfleet logo, and I'm not sure whether it's a it's an O'Brien like warrant officer type of logo or whether it's a Maquis logo from Voyager. Well, it's definitely the the ranking set that the marquee crew members of Voyager were wearing. And on top of that, we have the All Good Things comp badge. I feel like the All Good Things comp badge might be similar to the Picard comp badge, which you haven't seen yet. <laughs> so that might be what we're what we're seeing here. Although there are some things that happen in this episode that maybe we'll get to later, mm-hmm. where I'm wondering if they're in the same universe. Yeah, every time we see this combat, it seems to be that it's a jog-off universe where it's not quite the prime universe. Yeah. I mean, we saw it on Admiral Janeway in Endgame on Voyager. Yep, we saw it in All Good Things. Yeah, we kind of see it when it's not the real future. Yeah. Although, again, it's similar to a, a an official actual Starfleet combat that you just haven't seen yet. Yeah. The difference on the comm badge from like this, the uh, All Good Things one is that like, so the two bars in the back mm-hmm. in All Good Things extended above the Delta. Okay. And in the actual Prime Universe version of that badge, they don't, which is actually the version of the badge that we see here. Mm-hmm. You'll just have to trust me on that. <laughs> okay. Going back to with what you were saying earlier about like unanswered questions, here's some questions that were answered. Yeah, he starts doing a scan of everybody. We, we first find out that Murph is a melanoid slime worm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Pog is a Tellarite. We kind of knew that already, though. Yeah, we knew, but I don't think Rock Talk knew, but they're a Bricar. Yep. And uh, Gwyn, so here's the interesting thing about Gwyn. So Gwyn is unregistered, right? So the story is that Diviner came back in time to prevent, to, to destroy Starfleet before Starfleet could destroy Solemn. So at least we know at this point that we are at a point in time where Starfleet has not yet encountered the planet Solemn because the computer is unable to identify Gwyn. Yes. So they have, they have no idea yeah. what the uh, that the Valnucat are. Apparently she's none of the above. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Frex just kind of like takes Zero's word for it that Zero's a Medusan, which I was a little concerned about because <laughs> like if you're not going to scan, then really anything could be in that container. But I guess we'll let it fly for now. Well, I think he, he recognized what she was, even, or they were, with without, you know, I mean, you can see in the uh, portal that they have, it's just filtered somehow to protect people. And then we find out that apparently Dal is just some sort of report to Starfleet command only. Dal is the Omega Particle from Star Trek Voyager, apparently, oh. because he makes all the computers light up. <laughs> and they're like, wait, wait, you must oh, go home okay. now. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it really puts me puts some questions in my head about like so they know what Dal is. They know, but why are why aren't they telling anybody? So hold on, wait, wait, wait. You remember that one time when Tom Paris went over warp ten? Who doesn't? What do you think happens when Chakotay goes over warp ten? Wouldn't it be the same thing? Uh, maybe he would turn into Dal. 
Maybe that is Chakotay. Oh. Maybe that's Chakotay plus Neelix. This is like the new... They oh. redeemed Tubix! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe they did redeem Tubix in some way. Maybe this is a melding of two different people. And that's why he doesn't know who he is. Oh. And they said... And, and it caused like an alert in the system. Like, eh. Tuvix is back! Alert! Alert! Tuvix! Alert! Alert! <laughs> okay. Can you can you imagine? Okay, so so this is the thing. So like, Gwen lost her memory, and now she's getting her memory back. Dal lost his memory of being Tuvix, and then when he gets his memory back, he's gonna he's gonna hate Janeway. He's gonna be like, I can't believe I hugged you. <laughs> oh, could there have been a uh, Will Riker of uh, Tuvix? Oh. Uh... Oh, they made a transporter clone of Tuvix. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and then they abandoned him. They killed one and abandoned the other. That's nice. So we have a little cutscene where uh, we have Chakotay and Vice Admiral Janeway at the christening of the Protostar. Yes. Using a bottle of Chateau Picard, of course. Because what are you going to use with Chateau Picard? Yes, of course. Wasn't it also Chateau Picard for the Enterprise B? I, I don't know. Was it? It may have been. But obviously, obviously, it's fam his family's plantation, so yes. there's no reason it couldn't have existed before humans. And Chakotay isn't used to Janeway being an admiral yet. A vice admiral. A vice admiral. Yeah, she's a vice admiral. I think it's that's Chakotay. what's... I think that's what he's not familiar with is or familiar with is her being a vice admiral because she's been an admiral for a minute. We saw her oh. as an admiral in the, like, the movie Star Trek Nemesis, which was many years ago. Yeah, but Chakotay calls her captain. Does Chakotay owe Janeway a drink? I think he does. I think he might owe her two drinks because it's a couple ranks below. Oh, well, maybe he hasn't seen her a whole lot since her original promotion we split into kind of pairs uh, for this episode so you got like the the zero gwen pair and you got the uh the rock top uh -huh. murph pair and then you have the dalpog pair uh -huh. right yes in this little roundabout of of you know visiting the pairs we start with rock talk and murph so rock talk and murph are are hanging out because that's their little set and mm -hmm. uh murph's trying to figure out what kind of science because you know a moment ago when they were talking to frex Oh, that's right. They yeah. were talking about the type of science, and so, and I guess Rock Talk didn't know that there was more than one type of science. So uh -huh. now Rock Talk's going to show Murph the computer, mm -hmm. and this is where we learn that there are hundreds, 196 branches of science in Starfleet. Okay. Yeah. Yep. What branch do you think you'd study? Probably my initial response is probably somewhere something in biology. I think I'm going to go for nanotech. Nanotech? Okay. Sure. Uh, I'm also going to like bridge the gap between nanotech and biology. <laughs> oh, okay. Cybernetics? No. Cool. Nanotech. Oh. And? So like nanites, which are alive. Biology. So like living nanites. Yeah. So I just like, I make mechanical spiders. Oh, those are oh. called, okay. those are called replicants, right? That's a story. Well, That's a story I was thinking, oh, the Blade Runner? I've never seen Blade oh, Runner. Oh, the spider thing. Once again, okay. never seen Blade Runner. Oh, okay. I've never, I haven't just, seen a whole lot of Stargate. Just for the update, ladies and gentlemen, 
Dr. Reno has still not seen Blade Runner. <laughs> he doesn't know which one to watch. I, I'm going with none. Is it a whole uh, adversion to Philip K. Dick thing? No, I like... I'm fine with... Yeah, I just... I just haven't had any interest in Blade Runner. It's okay. not It's not personal. <laughs> he is a homophobe. Okay, okay, well now it is personal. I guess. I mean... Sorry. Okay. Although he grew up in the 60s, so... That doesn't justify it, but... So, so next we get to... Zero and Gwen in the sick bay. Yeah, it's a pretty dark moment, actually. Um, you know, Gwen, Gwen's asking what happened to Diviner, and Zero does not want to tell her that they basically destroyed Gwen's father. Yeah, that was. Uh, I was wasn't sure what exactly the thing she. I mean, because then. At some point, when she finds out, she's going to look at Zero and say, you didn't tell me, you betrayed me. That's why Zero wants to delay that as long as possible. Mm -hmm. I think Zero is pretty clear that eventually Gwen's going to find out that Zero has destroyed Gwen's father. Oh, okay. I don't think that Gwen really wants that. I think Gwen wanted her freedom and she, and she wanted to get away. I don't think she wanted him rendered a vegetable. <clears throat> Makes me question why Zero would then be the one to encourage Gwen to try to, you know, unlock her memories. From the other perspective, I think Gwen real or Zero realizes that there is important information that they need to get from her that, that the diviner told her that they need to know about what was said. So there's sort of a uh is it a quid pro quo going on? Uh or maybe maybe Zero is hoping that certain portions of Gwen's memories can be restored, but not other portions? I don't think that... Z I think had Zero, Zero's druthers, I don't think that Zero would be very concerned about restoring Gwen's memories. It's Gwen that wants Gwen's memories restored, and Zero being a friend is going to help, even though mm. would rather not. Well, definitely Zero feels very guilty for what they were almost forced to do. To the point where they're obfuscating the truth. Once again, sort of an adolescent trait where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't want to get in trouble, so let me not tell the truth, when in fact not telling the truth is only going to make it worse. Okay, yeah. Zero does say that the only thing I'm going to tell you is that he cannot hurt you anymore. Yeah. Which is, it's a little, it, to me it felt kind of cruddy. Like, So what you're saying is something happened, but I don't want to tell you my part in it. I don't want you to be mad at me about it. Well, because to explain it, would you would have to say, yeah. I did X Y Z. But to say he can't hurt you anymore takes me out of the equation. There's no, there's no, no part of. Yeah, it does, but it doesn't. He can't hurt you anymore has to do with me. So it's like I'm getting the, I'm getting the, the onus off of me, and giving you just the information that it's, it's a little, it's deceitful. It is. It doesn't necessarily exclude zero from the equation, but it doesn't necessarily include them either. No, it specifically discludes zero from the equation. Because zero won't say what happened, except for he can't hurt you anymore. So the way zero phrased it takes zero out of it entirely. Mm -hmm. There's no blame that can be put on zero in that phrase. It's all about this, I don't know, something happened to him. When in fact, 
like when you when you look at your friend who's standing there with a gun and it has like blood splatter on them and then there's someone laying on the floor next to them with a bullet hole in their head and you're like hey what happened and they're like oh well he can't hurt you anymore like that's kind of bs zero like clearly you you just you did this but you just don't want to say you did it like that's that's a that's kind of a creepy thing to do that's 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 kind of like it's kind of a someone who destroyed your father be you know sidling up to you to be your friend and then like not telling you that they're the one who did it because if they if 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 you gave them if you empowered them with that knowledge then they wouldn't be your friend and later down the line now you've compounded because now she's going to be angrier to you you let me be your friend after what you did and then you sat here and lied to me about it like zero is digging a, a, a very deep hole for zero i think okay. what if a melanoid slime worm evolves into a medusin wow oh did i take a left turn <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean really that's an interesting theory but suddenly occurred to me <laughs> Are, are, are they a Pokemon? They they, you level them up and they evolve. So we've what, no, we've already established, they established at the beginning of the series that Murph is going to go into a cocoon at some point, and they emerge as something else. Oh, they do. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's but I'm still trying to piece together what what might be going on there. Mm. Like um maybe 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 uh Murph is going to come out as a transworm. Oh, the the worms from. Uh, Discovery? Correct. Huh. Not much of a cocoon change, though. It's sort of like the same shape and stuff. Sure. Oh, we're... Okay. We're caterpillars actually change a whole bunch. Maybe they'll... Maybe Murph will change into something that is uh, more sentient and able to relate and communicate with other people. How do you feel about a Tellerite eating hot dogs? You know... I was wondering that myself. Uh, sometimes hot dogs are all beef, but most of the time they're a mixture of chicken and pork. Where did Pog get the idea to replicate these sausages? <laughs> That's a good question too. I mean, like, why why go straight there? Why not be like, hey, give me something like something that's gonna not make me a cannibal kind of thing? Maybe he was asking the computer for popular era food huh okay yeah okay i got you sure sure because because they're going to starfleet and to familiarize yeah. themselves okay sure <laughs> I, I, so suddenly that makes sense absolutely yeah zero says the sick bay on uh, cr721 is far superior to starfleet's state-of-the-art prototype ship sent uh to intentionally explore the farthest reaches of the galaxy why would a, a prototype ship have a less advanced sick bay than Thank this you. Thank you. remote okay. post in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, something caught me about that too. Like, I I thought that the Protostar was an advanced starship, you know? Like, when the Discovery was in its time, it had the best of the technology, the best of everything. So it seems to me, the proto, you know, the Discovery having been the one with an experimental drive system and a holodeck, etc. right? So it seemed yeah. to me that if the Protostar is going to have an experimental drive system um, and 
this hologram that can go all over the ship, right? It's basically a, it's basically the emergency command hologram that yeah. Voyager invented. So like it's 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 an advanced ship. It's supposed to go all the way to the Delta Quadrant and come all the way back within a person's lifetime, right? So why why in the world would it have a sick bay that's not as powerful as the one on a space station? In BFE. When do you think the prototype was built? That might be a good question. Because maybe this uh, comm station is uh, is a newer station than when they built the Protostar. Which then asks the, then begs the question, how far away did the Protostar go? Now, the Protostar has... The Protostar went... Okay. The distance the Protostar went is within the lifetime travel range of the Dauntless. Right. So they can't have been that far. Like, if they had to be somewhere where you could still reach it at warp. Does the Dauntless have a Protostar drive, too? The Protostar... I thought that... I mean, it shouldn't, because the Protostar is a test bed. And if they lost the test bed, <laughs> you'd think they wouldn't implement that anywhere else until they figure out what happened. Hmm. Maybe they... Maybe that's why it took an Admiral to run the ship, because she could overpower other people and say, no, I'm going to take the second prototype. I don't care what happens. I... So they're just going to be like, okay, so we lost one ship. Let's send another ship that has the same thing after it. Only this ship will have even more people on it. Like, no, that doesn't make... <laughs> I don't like that. Okay. Next, Frex goes to try and connect the Protostar and the comm relay station together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and we're back to another, like, Omega moment, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, all of the systems go off. But this is, like, a super, like, super Omega moment where, like, all of the ship's systems go kind of haywire and crazy. Yeah. Why Why is the Protostar's Trojan... Why is that not even scanned? Or why is there no virus protection on, on the space station? From a Federation starship? The, no tell... I mean, it's been gone for how long? There's no telling what it could have happened in, in all that time. I mean, he doesn't even know... I don't think that Frex knows anything about the Protostar. Mm. The only thing he knows is that what they told him, which is what that they stole the ship. Mm -hmm. So if they don't know how to operate it, then you would think that it has its basic core functions still. But yeah, I, I don't know why there's no sort of virus protection. Now, if they, if he, if they hadn't hardwired <laughs> to the ship, then they could have disconnected it. Yeah. But they didn't hardwire to the ship, right? They used a hologram. Oh yeah, the hologram. So it seems to me he just should he should have just flipped the Bluetooth off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although it did seem to have like almost an immediate effect on the computer systems, and he did seem very helpless after we start seeing the red Borgy matrixy code. So I think that once, I guess once, how was it Borgy? To explain to me how it was Borgish. I don't know, it just came out. The The reason I say that is because there is something recently that happened that looked Borgish to me. Mm -hmm. It was on Lower Decks when we saw the schematics of the uh, Texas class, and those did look like Borg symbology, with mm -hmm. the vertical lines and the wavy lines that connect the pieces, the vertical pieces. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only like I don't, I don't think it looked Borgish. I, I think it looked Fritzy. It's just like it kind of messed <laughs> up. Like it, it looked a little Frexy. Okay, that's a joke about his name. Yeah. So then we cut back to the what is it? The mess hall. Uh -huh. 
and the uh, replicator is going on the fritz. It's just shooting out, out one hot dog after the other. The replicators seem to like shooting out curved <laughs> cylindrical objects. Ew. Well, no, it's, it's not me. The bananas. <laughs> remember the bananas? Oh, maybe. Yeah. And now the hot dogs. Well, and these hot dogs are overcooked this time. Like they've been cooked on a campfire. So were the bananas. Were they overcooked? <laughs> okay. I mean, they were cooked. They were hot. They were hot bananas. Oh, okay. And uh, there definitely were fart noises this time. There were no fart noises. You just hear fart noises all the time. I don't know. I don't know what what is going on with you. There were no fart noises. <laughs> okay. There, there were no fart noises. The the station fritzing seems to like really be threatening the whole thing with Gwyn. So like they've lowered her into this vat of of air, I guess, and then the nodules like Zero's about to leave anyway, yeah. right? When this whole yeah. thing starts happening, and the little nodules, I don't know what they were supposed to do initially, but they yeah. start filling up that chamber with liquid as if like what was the original purpose of those nodules, and what was the original purpose of sealing her into that container? It seems to me that was Zero trying to drown Gwen well. <laughs> before she found his secret. Oh, <laughs> I don't think Zero had anything to do with it, but I think that possibly that bait could also be double as a stasis pod of some sort, or maybe a cloning bat. So Gwen's locked in this tube, and you know Zero's trying to Zero's about to head out of the sick bay for some reason, maybe to get help. Like I don't know why. Where's Zero going to see what the hell's going on? Is that what's happening? Yeah, I yeah I, I think that's what they were doing is just trying to see where they were going, what was going on. And so, so Zero, you know, is able is unable to get out, can't get Gwen out, calls everybody to come to sickbay. All right. Right then is when the station starts flipping out and it starts. So what I thought was that the that the protostar was phasering the station apart. But what actually happened, because they did close ups on the, the phasers, like opening up, you know, starting up. So it I feel like it was unclear. Yeah. But we really we find out later, actually. Uh, that and I guess we can determine that in context. I didn't really it didn't quite play that way to me at first But so the the station itself starts phasering itself to death like apart While everybody's trying to find sickbay. Yeah, you would think that The ship or a ship or a station wouldn't be able to certainly these these are on swivel heads But it wouldn't be able to point its own guns back on itself. I disagree Oh? Yeah. Remember the Breen? What about them? They used, like, some sort of device to, like, launch from their ship and attach to the hull of the Cerritos so they could cut their way in. Do you remember the Suliban way back a million years ago who used to, like, crawl around the outside of the ship? My point is I think by now we should, we should know that we should have phasers or some sort of weaponry that can point at the ship itself. Oh, a lot closer to the ship itself. I mean, if someone's trying to breach the hull, then you want to be able to shoot them off the hull. Yeah. Okay. You know, like, if the Borg are out there trying to walk around the outside of the ship and get in, you want to be able to shoot them off. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, I mean, this is apparently a super advanced, you know, station that has this sick bay that's more advanced than the Protostar, so, <laughs> sure, it should have it should have the ability to... And if you have, like, if you have weapons that are extended from the main body that are you know that are some distance from the main body then they sh it'll be able to hit the main body with the weapons 
Like, Deep Space Nine could hit itself, mm. I'm sure. And this thing has sort of like, well, you know, yeah, this true. thing has like crossover. Uh, it has like long, you know, walkway type stuff also. Okay, I see where you're coming from. So I think it makes sense to be able to shoot yourself. Like, there should be some fail-safes in place that make sure it doesn't happen, you know, by accident. Yeah. There actually should be some sort of provision against AI by this time. Like, against an AI destroying the vessel that it's on. Okay. Because of control. Yeah. Oh, but we control was a secret. That's right. So it doesn't, we can't, you know, because we can't replay, <laughs> can't hang anything on, any hats on that. How is the vi virus an AI? What I'm saying is there should be some provision against an AI doing that. And the provision that would exist against an AI doing that would prevent the computer from being taken over by some other intelligence that would have it do that. Oh, okay. It is, I, I think it is some, it's gotta be some sort of AI though, because the way he described it was that it, the virus is, it's a virus, number one. Mm -hmm. Like the way he describes it, the virus is gonna get in the ship, in, in all the ships, and they were gonna, it was gonna turn them all against each other. Like that implies intent. Okay. So Gwen, um, you know, suddenly e-members what was going on. You see what I did mm -hmm. there? She e-members because she got into the electronic machines and then she remembered. She e-membered never Anyway. Oh, she's a technomancer or a technokinetic. She is kind of a techno technomancer, isn't she? Because she can control like of this technological sort of sword thing, which is what she does when Dale Dal tries to laser open the case. Instead, she just uses yeah. her her bio knife or whatever it is mm -hmm. because yeah. the you know the the cr cr 721 station is going absolutely haywire and the kids are all starting to kind of freak out a little bit and oftentimes in these kinds of scenarios though it seems like what gwen is the best one to be able to keep a level head though too sure i mean also janeway who you know tells everybody to come home right now unfortunately the uh Protostar's transporters rooms are down. Right, and there was a moment <laughs> when they, they look out and they see the ship, and I thought that Rock Talk said O-S-word. <laughs> but apparently she said oh. our ship. Oh. <laughs> I had to go back and listen to it a couple times to realize that what Rock Talk said was our ship. <laughs> Do you think that was some clever penmanship, or do you I, think that... I do think that was intentional. <laughs> I also think that it was intentional that they had uh, Pog eating the hot dogs. I think that was a joke, also. <laughs> I think they're making, like, some, some like, clever clever adult-style jokes in here, but not, like, not, like, pee-pee-poo-poo jokes, but, you know, like, adult-style, like, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of need to have a, an adult brain to catch it. Like with all the Disney movies that are PG-13 instead of G nowadays, where they do slip some little bit of zingers in that are for the adults. So Jamie tells them to find an escape pod since the transporters apparently aren't working and get out of that station. They head up to the command center, but Frex has beat them to it and he takes the only uh, escape pod. Yeah, and... What, those escape pods, from what I remember, those escape pods fit like five people in them. So I don't know why. Oh, yeah, definitely there's room for them all. Yeah, and then the next concern I have is those escape pods have, I don't think they have warp drive on them. 
So where exactly is he going? Oh, that's... They're at the <laughs> furthest relay station. Well... And he's getting in a sublight vehicle that... Mm-hmm. I don't even think it has impulse engines. It has, like, just regular thrusters. Because it's for, like, in case you're in a battle, you put your escape pod and you just kind of, like, float there and wait for someone to come get... Oh. So he's just floating out there. Yeah, he's got to be just floating out. Which means that, like, toward the end of the episode... Yeah, with, uh, towards the end of the episode, they're just going to leave him floating in the middle of space by his side his ruined space. Oh. That's not a good look. <laughs> For who? For the protostar, whoever's got the protostar. Like, Janeway's probably going to think that it's, like, some malevolent force that has the protostar and is doing, like, oh, she probably, she's probably going to think that they're intentionally going around and doing stuff. Oh, Admiral Janeway? Yes. Somebody's got to think of what to do next. And the only thing that Dow comes up with is trying to use the spacesuits to escape that way. Hmm. Everybody gets in the spacesuits, and of course, Pog is kind of following along, but he's not too sure about this. But there's nothing else to do, and they get to the outside of the space station, and they're running along the space station, and there's no, they have no idea how they're going to get from the space station to the protostar. Sure so they do, because before they go outside, Dal says to them what they're going to do, and then Rocktalk's reaction is, we're going to jump? So yeah, by the time they get to the outside of the station, they clearly know what they're going to do. They're about to Michael Burnham themselves across to the ship. <laughs> now my question is, what is the ship doing? It's like revolving around the station for some reason. Yeah. Who? Why is it doing that? I wasn't sure. I mean, why did... Oh wait, is I got to go back sometime and check the stars. Because is the station rotating or is the ship revolving around it? I think somebody mentioned at some point that both were happening. So yeah, so then I go back to why is why is the ship moving at all? Can Hologram Janeway move the ship? Well, they did show briefly when the virus started infecting the state the station that her console was also taken over with all the red blippy stuff. So maybe she has no control right now. But yeah, why doesn't Jane, if she does, then why doesn't Janeway just fly up and go get closer so they can make their jump a lot easier? Because eventually she does. Yeah. This is the the line that sort of confused me because Rock says that whatever vector we jump, we hit the protostar. Yeah, that didn't make sense to me. So that's only true if the station is stationary. And the protostar is revolving around it. So, and then if they if they jump out slowly enough, then at whatever point in its rev- revolution around the station that the protostar mm-hmm. gets there, it they'll it'll hit them or they'll, hmm, yeah, it would it, it would hit them. They would be going in a straight line, and the right. protostar would orbit around and hit. Yeah, yeah. Very curious about all of this. As a matter of fact, if Janeway could extend the tractor beam why didn't she just tractor to the station why didn't she tractor them off of the station before all the explodiness why make them do the whole jo- I, I mean I guess it's a I forgot it's it's a kid's show we're not supposed to go that deep I think it's supposed to give rock their moment hmm. to figure out that this is not the angle of science that they're meant oh uh, okay so physics is not rock's thing rock pulls a beautiful mind when she's trying to figure out everything Sure. Have you, you've seen that movie? Yes. Okay. 
like like rock talk sort of like channels her inner jack right you remember from chrysalis do re mi do re mi fa so the like really smart guy the augment from deep space nine julian's friends okay who was like super brilliant yeah okay it's almost it's almost as if you don't know star trek very well well some of this i haven't seen in in years me too I, I found other things to watch when there wasn't new Star Trek on. Me too. I mean, to be fair, I don't know my Enterprise. Okay. Also, when we do the countdown, uh, it's really not Rock who really does it. It's Zero. Yeah, Rock starts and then starts to freak out. And then in that equation, if Zero is made of gas, this would have then been the time for Zero to be like, everybody turn around, I'm going to do a thing. <laughs> like everybody could have closed their eyes and then Zero could have taken out of the shell and then grabbed everybody and taken them off the station. But what Zero does instead is help Rock count down. Okay. Yeah. Which means that Rock didn't really do the math there. Zero did the math there. I don't think anybody really did math there, actually. No, no they really think about it. Except for maybe <laughs> Janeway. Because hologram Janeway was like, well, let me, let me pop down. Her station started flipping out too. Yeah. What if she is infected with the virus, but she's just not telling them? Oh, that's a good question. Like, what if she's still that evil Janeway that Diviner made, and she's just faking it? Uh, um... And she's leading them through all this stuff, because now what... Now what she's been a party to is destroying the furthest, like, comm relay station. Uh-huh. And then, like, and also, like, abandoning this Denobulan communications officer in the middle of space. Like, she's supposed to be the responsible adult one. Okay. Like, would actual Janeway do that? I don't know. Is she a hologram? I mean, well, the way to, to hear Chakotay say it, this is a holograph. This is like a, a holographic representation of Janeway that's yeah. going to, you know, which would presumably have like, you know, copies of her engrams and stuff. So this would be like a, a very Janeway hologram. I don't know if I trust this Janeway at this point. And I feel like Janeway during Voyager was kind of like, she was pretty consistent throughout. Like, she she was pretty consistent throughout like she made a lot of mm, it's going to be very controversial for me to say but she made a lot of bad decisions there's there they shouldn't have been like that command staff the original command staff of voyager was like a little kind of full of utter lunacy right so like first <laughs> starting with we'll start with the first officer who hears brace for impact and goes running across the bridge let's not forget that one <laughs> and then you have and then you have janeway who Let's not forget she destroyed their way home. Yeah. Because she wanted to help this little girl, I guess. <laughs> well, and her people. Yeah, but not her own people. Like, she had a crew also. Mm-hmm. And these are people who, like, she, she doesn't know them. Like, and she's interfering with, like, their system. So you're saying she's break, broke the prime directive? Well, I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm just saying that, like, she didn't make the decision that would be the best for her crew. Mm. She could have gotten them home. She could have gotten them and the Mackie home. Uh-huh. But instead, she let them all be stranded. Like, that... The, the first episode of Voyager is just full of command-level officers doing ridiculous things. <laughs> like what was the doctor doing like the doctor the doctor their chief medical officer was in sick bay and got killed the whole medical staff died in the first episode I don't, they while they were in sick bay 
Yeah, we saw we saw the doctor. We saw we saw the chief medical officer, and we saw other medical officers in the background. Yeah. Where did they, they all died? They were in sick bay. So obviously, sick bay wasn't as protected as we're sick, often told. Sick that bay it is. is a dangerous place. <laughs> that place is deadly. That'll kill you. Sick bay will kill you. <laughs> I, I do think that Zero could have solved this whole equation themselves. And and, mm. and 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 when they all go jumping across, why is Zero screaming? How do you think the suit that Zero's in is held together? I don't know. It looks like it's a hodgepodge of pieces and parts. And that's what it was made of. I ask, how well, is it held together? Because when it leads to I remember, it, it could be just welded together but it's not because Zero took it off and then after Zero put it back on and went to go check on Gwen Zero was pushing a piece of the armor back in place uh-huh. so I feel like Zero's holding that armor together uh-huh. and if Zero can hold that armor together why can't Zero hold all of Zero can float without the legs Every zero can float. How many of them are there? There's Pog, there's Dal, there's Gwyn, and there's Murph. Murph can float in space by Murph's self. <laughs> Everybody should have grabbed like somebody should have grabbed onto Murph. Mm-hmm. And then the three of them should have grabbed onto Zero. And then Murph and Zero could have jumped. And they would have been fine. <laughs> because Zero can impel Zero around in space. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if Murph can, but Zero could have gotten everybody over to. There's just that. This is. <laughs> there's like roots of Voyager <laughs> in this show, I think, because people are not really using the best of their abilities, I think. Oh. Hero would have gotten everybody off that station. Uh, yeah. But as you're fond of pointing out, they're all adolescents and they're thinking emotionally now. They're not thinking logically. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. This is true. They, they so they jump off, and then they they miss they miss the ship. Yeah. But then they're caught in a Drukmani scavenger tractor beam. Oh, okay. Is that what it was? Like peanut hamper. <laughs> like couldn't yeah. I? That's the thing. Like I don't understand why she couldn't have just done this in the first place. Well, wouldn't Rock have had access to the computer in her HUD? Wait a minute. Do, or zero. Didn't we establish that? Our spacesuits have thrusters on them since back in Discovery days? I think since back in, sure, Discovery days, but I was going to go back to, in, in our timeline, to First Contact, too. Oh, you mean like right now, spacesuits? Yeah, spacesuits, fair enough, good point. Yeah. Spacesuits in 2022 have thrusters on them. Yeah. They could have just turned off their magnetic boots and they would have floated away. And then the starship could have just met them wherever they ended up. Uh-huh. But they wanted an exciting point for the kids. Yeah, I mean, them. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I guess when these kids grow up, they're going to be looking back on that. They're going to be looking back on Prodigy the way that I look back on Voyager. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> People are not thinking straight. So, yeah. like, 20 years from now, they're going to do that. So. Well, and but at least Murph is having a blast. Yeah, Murph is in no danger. <laughs> Murph's just fine. Murph's like, y'all good? Like, we're just gonna float away. That puppy hanging out of the window, but what's moving his tongue? Is Murph's tongue like the Apollo flag? 
I, I think I, I think Murph farted. <laughs> yeah, I figured that would make you laugh. Yeah, there. No, I was just seeing if you would laugh at it. You just like you just like fart jokes. I think you just want everything to be a fart joke. No, not necessarily. You're still laughing. What do you mean, not necessarily? Because you're joking. Oh. They asked. Um, they asked what 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 uh what could have caused this, and that's when the big reveal about Gwen farted. Go ahead, let it out. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, this is when Gwen, you know, remembers everything. I don't know what the extent of everything is. Yeah. But if the extent of everything is everything, then maybe next episode is when we'll see what Gwen's reaction to zero hiding things will be. Hmm. Because we, we, we've now cut away. And the Dauntless is pulling into Tars Lamora. Down to Tars Lamora beam uh, Janeway, Dr. Tice, or Dr. Noom, Tysis, mm -hmm. and Essentia. And the last time we saw a diviner, mm -hmm. he was on his knees, like doing stuff in the dirt, like making signs and sigils or something. Okay. With, uh, you know, with, with all the way black hair, because it had gone from white to black. Oh, and gone back to, okay. So I don't know now what has happened in the intervening time that now he's just floating around. Oh. And right. like catatonic because before he was awake, the last time we saw him, he was awake in babbling. Huh. So I wonder what's happened in the intervening time. Well, how he was, they weren't even on that, that space station or the, that rock mine when, uh, we saw him last when Zero blasted him. Yeah, they, we weren't, but they took him there and they left him there. If it's really been 38 weeks, maybe at some point he needed to go into a hyper sleep or hibernation to protect himself because he was out of food, out of water. Are you suggesting that that would have been a conscious thought on his own to do that? Possibly. Mm-mm. Or maybe subconscious thought? He's been driven mad. That's why he was on the ground scrabbling around with stuff. Yeah. Okay, then it would be a subconscious thought. Just instinctual for his body to keep himself mm. alive. Potentially. Perhaps we'll find out at some point. As a refresher, the Janeway ship is the USS Dauntless, mm -hmm. NCC 80816. It is indeed. So I'm going to give this episode a 9.3. I really enjoyed this episode, actually. I thought it was really great. I, I thought I love the advancing of story, and I love the yeah. development of the structure of like we don't we're, we're now past the stage of let's tell you about this let's introduce that let's show you about this now we can actually use all those things oh okay we can we can take all the tools that we've taught you in the first half of the season and now we can use all those tools to create the, the rest of the story oh okay. i really like the, the the shift in this episode so we're kind of done with the technology stuff i think so i think we've learned we've learned a lot yeah you know back there yeah and now we look at like we've been introduced to starfleet we know what starfleet is it built to a good to be continued you're like you got to do all the build all the story and then what we usually do in star trek is we do build 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 flop <laughs> right like oh the phasers don't work oh okay oh well you know best of both worlds um, but now we've built, 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 and now maybe we're going to use the next 10 episodes to unfold the rest of the story using what we've built. Oh, uh, okay. I think, I'm hoping that this is the lesson that we've learned in, you know, Star Trek has learned. Ah. Uh, and you, sir. Well, let's see. Now that you've given me some new things to consider, 
was going to start it, I was thinking of a seven something, but maybe I'll move up to an eight point six. Sounds great. Yeah. Anything else? I think I'm all set. Wonderful. That's our show, everybody. It is indeed. Until next time, uh, stay positive, dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mixed with NCH Mixpad, and mastered with Kako 3 Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay. Today we'll be reviewing Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 11, or is it 10? Wait. Which one is it? Hold on, what did I say? Which one is it though for real? Like what it, I want to It's sort of it's both. ten. It's ten. So it's ten. I'm gonna call it ten. I, I think they're calling nine. I think they're putting nine and ten together. They're they're putting one and two together. I mean, okay. I think they're putting a moral star together as one episode. Oh, are maybe they? they're doing oh, they are doing one and two together. Okay. I don't know. Here, let me I need to drink some water so I can take off my strange new world voice and put on my prodigy voice. <laughs> okay. Vulcans cannot lie. Okay, there we go. Better. <laughs>